I can help someone if they're kind to me and we have a good rapport if that mutual because that's a key part of respect in a relationship and that's a really important quality and once again back to you know partnership it is a partnership i i often say that your first match is with your matchmaker so making sure that's really someone that's a a good fit with you Welcome to Love, Laughs, and Lessons, the podcast where we create a safe and inclusive space to have open and honest conversations about all things relationships, from romance to family dynamics to friendships, and most importantly, the relationships we have with ourselves. I'm Dr. Frankie, a clinical psychologist, board-certified sex therapist, and expert in human behavior. And I'm Denise Ray, certified matchmaker, science-based dating and relationship coach, and intimacy and relationship coach with over a decade of experience. Join us on a journey through life's love, laughs, and lessons. Hello, everyone. Dr. Frankie Bashan here, and we are here for another week of talking to amazing matchmakers in our matchmaker series. And this is Love, Laughs, and Lessons, our new podcast, and so excited for you all to join us. Um, again, I'm Dr. Frankie Bashan. I'm the CEO of Little Gay Book Matchmaking and Little Black Book Matchmaking. I'm also a clinical psychologist and a board-certified sex therapist and a dating and relationship expert and have been a matchmaker for, geez, almost my whole life, but professionally for a decade and a half. And this has been such a joy to hear from all these matchmakers about their process and experience and so on. And before we jump into introducing our guest, I'm going to hand it over to my amazing co-host to introduce herself. Yes. And I am so happy to be Dr. Frankie's co-host and bringing you these insights and expertise of professionals in the world of matchmaking. My name is Denise Ray, and I'm a relationship coach and client service director at Little Gay Book. And I'm super excited and thrilled to have the pleasure of introducing you to an extraordinary guest who has redefined the world of matchmaking in the San Francisco Bay Area. Meet Shannon Lundgren, the founder of Shannon Circle, the Ivy League's go-to choice for matching accomplished singles. Shannon, tell us a little about you and how you got started in matchmaking. Oh, it's a fun story. I actually was knee-deep in corporate life for, you know, over almost two decades. And a friend of mine said, oh my gosh, you need to check out the Harvard Business School alumni magazine and read up on this woman, a fellow grad, who is a matchmaker. So she thought, my friend thought I'd be great at it because I always was used to matching for business and for pleasure and had also matched some romantic couples over the years uh, just for fun. And I read about this woman, Rachel Greenwald, who was doing exactly that as a career. And here I was thinking, oh my gosh, this possibility of this career that I had never thought of. And I read up about her and she also offered a boot camp to help people break into that field. So I was at a burnout point, which often happens in corporate life. And I knew that this was important to invest in my my own growth and uh, just even from a standpoint of just learning about it. So I did the boot camp in person in Denver, and I came back from that saying, I am really interested in this. I need to figure out 
how to make it into a, not a jobby, but into a real (laughs) career. So that took me um, about eight years to do that. But oh my gosh. I, I dabbled in it on the side. I moonlight. I had oh. a moonlighting um, type of matchmaking and made all the mistakes and uh, all the, uh, you know, learned all the, the key things. And then eventually was able to go say, um, give my four week notice in my case at my corporate job. And launch into my full-time business. And I haven't looked back. How many years has that been? Uh, full-time that's been uh, three years. Oh, uh, awesome. oh my gosh, through the pandemic. So congratulations for hanging on. Those years were rough. I mean, we were, yeah, it was all over the place. Pandemic was really great though for dating in some ways, because it really, uh, back back to the whole idea that we had to meet someone in person as matchmakers, it really expanded our potential of actually even continuing to match people that we weren't meeting at a cafe in person. So I've actually matched couples during the pandemic that I didn't meet in person, which was a really um, cool thing because I've always been very locally based. And that really showed me that you can match people successfully from elsewhere. And it shows our clients, right? That they they too should be open and willing to consider meeting somebody outside of their area and possibly having a Zoom date. Absolutely. That was that was a big innovation in terms of here you are, you can do that from the comfort of your home. And within, as we know, on a date, um, within five to 10 minutes, that conversational click or not, and whether you, your energies jibe uh, can be quickly uh, deduced. So that's a real time saver, I'd say, in dating even today. Yeah. So Shannon, and I know this is a, sh- a strange question to ask because we're matchmakers, but just for our audience, would you would you explain what a matchmaker does and how it differs from online dating or other traditional dating methods? Oh, sure. So as a matchmaker, I think of it almost akin to a an executive recruiter. Um, but, you know, of course, there's lots of job boards, let's say indeed.com, and you can look at all the listings of all the different roles and potentials out there. And you get, you know, of course those job uh, seekers apply to dozens of jobs. Or as an executive recruiter, you're kind of trying to find the right person for the right role. And my job in that case is to find the, the right person for a given client. So it's a really different targeted type of curation. And the goal is not to get uh, my client on lots of quantity of dates, but to really make sure the quality and curation is there for the type of fit that would be the best fit for that client. So it's a really um, different type of experience than the dating apps in that regard. And it is focused on you know less is more, uh, getting closer to that bullseye, I say. Um, it doesn't mean that there's a perfect person. Uh, sometimes people think matchmaking is this magic wand and there, you know, is revealed the perfect man or woman um, that you're looking for. But it is a real partnered approach to really get you into the right type of relationship. And a lot of back and forth along the way and a lot of learning, not only as a matchmaker, but as the client learning um, what they might be doing on dates or even their own limitations that are really keeping them stalled or stuck from meeting, um, being in a great relationship. 
So there's feedback. You're, you offer your service offers a feedback process and coaching along the way to help them get out of their own way is what I'm hearing. Yeah. So on every day I ask for a short feedback from both parties uh, and they, they should give that feedback the next day, hopefully, or the few days after. And it really focuses on, you know, did you enjoy the date? And then also, do you want to go on a second date with that person? And then other things, uh, such as what was really great about the day, what was really, or, and what did you not like? And from that, it's really interesting because over the course of multiple dates, I can see patterns with my clients that are blind spots or things they don't know that they might be doing on a date that could be really, you know, inhibiting the them getting to the second date and third date. So that's really quite fun. And of course, it's it works. It's helpful if you have a coachable client. Um, so it's really important that I yeah. do select people who are open to that feedback. And then we can really, to your point, uh, do some coaching. An example that comes to mind is a client of mine, very eligible, uh, didn't realize that he was um, interrupting his date during the conversation. And it wasn't just one date where I saw that feedback, but it was over the, you know, many dates. And then he was then aware of this and could then course correct and, you know, fix that really easily. Yeah, that could shut a date down real quick, right? A second date. <laughs> no fun, no bueno. <laughs> That's one of the best things about working with a matchmaker is that we get to really give that feedback that our clients would not otherwise get on a dating app or even sometimes being set up by friends. I think, right? There's not, no one wants to hurt anyone's feelings. And when you're working with somebody professional, we're very careful about how we provide feedback. And we know that, right, even if they don't end up dating going forward, that they probably at some point will bump into each other. And so we're, we're smart about how we do that. Feedback. Yeah. Yeah. The calibration and whether it's uh, first date techniques, as well as someone being interested in you or not and getting that type of feedback too, because oftentimes people go on a first date and um, they meet and they never hear from the person again and they have no idea what happened. So it really can be helpful mentally to close the loop too and uh, to help our clients, you know, move forward with, oh, given this, the next, you know, this could help us inform who might be a better fit for you. A lot of it can come down to even life stage and that type of lack of compatibility. So really making sure that uh, we're barking up the right trees, so to speak. So true. So true. I think that feedback is invaluable because we don't know how, you know, as people, we just don't know how we're viewed or how we're seen or what perception we're giving off. So, you know, you kind of get to be like the fly on the wall, you know, and then you can help either either party learn from whatever it is that they're doing the good, the bad and the ugly. Right. Because, you know, yeah, it's the stuff your friends and family, you know, for the most part, will never tell you. And <laughs> we see ourselves differently than others see us. I think we assume they're seeing us the way that we see ourselves, but I have found in my many, many years as a psychologist and a coach and matchmaker that that is not the case. So. <laughs> Okay, what's that saying? There's three three stories, your story, their story, and what really happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what's your ideal, like just for folks who are kind of thinking about hiring a matchmaker, like what's your ideal client? I do have an ideal. So it's kind of um, 
come to me over the years because a certain type of uh, person really was attracted to me and turned out to be a great fit. So it's been really nicely, it evolved that way. And uh, one of the key qualities that I hear from those clients is they're looking for someone intellectually curious. And that's different than oh, they have a degree from, you know, an Ivy League or such, but it's that they actually not only have interest and curiosity and they're learners, they're the type that are asking questions. So intellectually curious is one quality. And the other quality that um, they often cite they're looking for, but I can tell you as a matchmaker, I'm also looking for is kind. Um, I can help someone if they're kind to me and we have a good rapport if that mutual because that's a key part of respect in a relationship and that's a really important quality um and once again back to you know a partnership it is a partnership i i often say that your first match is with your matchmaker so making sure that's a really someone that's a a good fit with you so intellectually curious and kind they are very top in their field very successful mastery in some realm um, they are looking for a like-minded partner. Uh, that is not everyone out there. That just happens to be the type of people um, and clients I take on are those that are truly looking for someone that they don't necessarily look down down on or look up to. They're looking for someone that can be a real sounding board, a real one plus one equals 11 in their life. And that's um, a specific niche. If someone comes to me and says they're looking for someone I don't know, 25 years younger than them and and gorgeous or handsome, that's not my search. So I, I kind of have learned the um, the type of niche I'm in and uh, it's definitely, um, you know, that's that's kind of the right type of people that I can help the best. I appreciate you saying that because you're, you know, you realize where you can be of most value to your clients. And that's so important for us to know about ourselves as matchmakers so that we can serve people as best as possible. And that's good to know. Yeah, I did find over the years, um, one of the nice things, as mentioned, I didn't have the financial pressure of making the business work because I was uh, being well-paid in corporate life. So I was dabbling in it. And it was really nice to have that lack of pressure because I could decide who to work with and not to work with. I didn't have any pressure to make a mortgage payment and just take anyone coming my way. And what that has helped is making sure that that partnership is there. And I find that that works better than a matchmaker being potentially an order taker or someone who's just saying um, what they, the client wants to hear all along. And then ultimately the client's disappointed or feels misled. So I'm really authentic about that. And uh, don't, um, I'm, I'm very evenly uh, balanced in terms of even presenting a potential match, because I want to make sure that it's authentic, and it's real, and that there's a trust and partnership between her. Sure. And that also, there's no perfect person. for. No. And I think we need to be honest with people that like, we are not magicians. Um, we make magic happen, but it's not, you know, we can't make somebody perfect when humans are imperfect beings. And, you know, clients give us our wish, their wish list, right? And we do the best we can to find somebody who really embodies what they're looking for, but they're not necessarily going to get it all. 
I find, at least in my experience of searching. It's like, yeah, I can find a lot of these qualities, but I don't know that I can make that happen entirely 100%. I think if you are honest and set the expectations early, there's no disappointment. Yeah, it really is important to prioritize what's most important to you and what's, you know, truly is not going to work for you. And those people that are very reasonable, singles that are reasonable about that, and also have a good sense of, I call it market value. Um, They have a good sense of, of who is attracted to them and who they're attracted to. And hopefully those two match because sometimes we think of ourselves still in high school and that we're, you know, 25 or, you know, in college at age 25 and we might be chasing the shiny objects. And then we don't realize that we actually have grown older and have our own baggage. So really kind of a good sense of humility and sense of self um, is really important in the process and seeing the other person as a human being is another thing that um, is really key, which as we know, with the paradox of choice of dating apps, it can be harder to um, remember that, you know, just because you have a first date and it doesn't go well, or you don't click, or there are instant fireworks, doesn't mean that that couldn't, that might still be your person. And I even have uh, done something called a do-over when a date doesn't go that well. A client of mine actually reached out to the person and said, can we do a do-over. Oh my gosh. I love that. They, that client deserves kudos. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. they, uh, they, they definitely just, you know, the first date there were, you know, some contributing factors with the environment and the energy. She really liked him. He was kind of like, oh, I don't think she really likes me. And, um, they, um, ended up, um, you know, her saying, let's do a do-over. And, while they're dating, um, not to say, you know, who knows if they'll be the, you know, go down the altar, you know, the path to marriage or such. But um, there is something to be said that the, the first date, you know, giving yourself a little bit of compassion, giving the other person compassion and, you know, realizing that, you know, second date can also just be less awkward and such. So how do you get from first date, yeah. to second date and get to know someone? Yeah. And recognizing first dates, it's just, they're really nerve wracking for most people. And they're not able to often bring their best selves forward because they're so nervous. So it can often like flatten your personality a little bit, right? Can make it so that you're a little, may appear more stiff than you actually are. And so. Oh, first dates are a minefield. There's so much that can go wrong. (laughs) And the, the top two things I hear are the person talk too much or they talk too little as if I had to carry the whole conversation. And, you know, these are both extremes, but um, we do, you know, I do hear that quite a bit. And it is something that how to, the art of conversation, the art of engaging and communicating and all of that is so key on a first date. And uh, it's definitely something, you know, worthy of, um, you know, testing out those skills, having, you know, good first conversation with strangers at events and, and showing interest in the other person. That's the other key is that if they feel like you're, you're truly curious about them, they'll think, you know, great things about you is, is kind of a fundamental thing. I think from the, uh, the book, uh, how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, 
I think it's hard sometimes for people even to give compliments, right? It just, it's awkward, especially when you don't have that sense of familiarity or trust. And then feeling like, oh, I'm going to be vulnerable and put myself out, out there to give a compliment. But it just, it feels good to receive a compliment. And oh, it yeah. it's up. Yeah. It's um, in the Bay Area. I don't know if this is, if this rings true to you too, Frankie, um, is that I find that the Bay Area is very, we're in our heads versus our bodies and hearts. So one of the things I almost always have to coach clients on or help them along their dating journey is flirting. Uh, the flirting of a compliment. We're not talking about, you know, making a physical move and, you know, reaching, you know, some touching someone in inappropriate places, flirting. We're talking about just charm and, you know, using your name, you know, Frankie in conversation, um, giving a nice touch to the hand when making a point, complimenting them. And there's something about the Bay Area where we're a little stiff in that way. And it's, it's just less, um, you know, kind of more cerebral. So that's something that I've definitely been working on is flirting isn't, you know, sleazy. It's actually, there's many spectrums of flirting and how can you just, you know, show up and see the other person, see and be seen by them and uh, flirt a little bit and try out, even try out those strategies. Um, I just mentioned on a few friends um, or family and watch how they, you know, respond to you differently even when you use their name. It's very, very interesting to to just try these little things. To, yeah, the good point. The eye contact is so important. Several times I've sent clients out and, you know, one of the things that will come back is they never looked me in the eyes, you know, or they, you know, avoided looking me in the eyes. So, yeah. So, oh, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Other, I mean, it can feel like a, a business meeting. That's sometimes the feedback I get from clients. It's like, oh, I don't know. We met for a quick bite around lunch or we had a, we got a coffee, we grabbed a coffee midday and it felt like a business meeting. Yeah. And especially we, we get lazy with the questions. The questions go to, oh, you know, if you even find this at a cocktail party, like, oh, what do you do? You know, where'd you grow up or things like that. And so something I ask my clients to do is, is, and I sometimes will prompt them with some things that they can ask their date about. It's almost like, what are those, everyone has almost invisible sign. Like for me, it would be like, ask me about how I ended up asking Warren Buffett for a job at Harvard Business School. You know, I love that story and I love telling that story, but you know, it's an invisible sign and not everyone knows to ask that. How can you look out, know from someone's, you know, what they shared, what are their passions about? How can you lead into knowing them and asking relevant questions rather than the trite questions, you know, such as, you know, where'd you grow, you know, where'd you grow up or what do you do for work? And the other area that I try to um, steer clients away that they seems to be something that people talk a lot about is dating on a date. And it's, it's like, no, don't talk about how many people like you on Bumble. They can all relate to like lament about how shitty it is the dating app so it's like quickly it's like wow we can agree i know this is safe to bring up because this person for sure is going to be able to relate to my experience but they don't realize that they get put in the friend zone right away because here you are chattering chattering with a a friend not a date and it's almost like you know oh the other part is um 
asking about a, your ex and what happened. Uh, no, 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 no. It's yeah. like you have to have a talking point. Imagine you're going on a job interview and you're asked and you were fired or you had a bad relationship with your boss and you were asked, so why did you leave your last position? And the person says, oh, that, you know, there's two, two choices to come up. The right answer is to come up with something that actually plays well into why it wasn't a fit and that you're looking for other opportunities. Or you could tell the truth and have a whole sob story and, you know, complain about the last company. Which person do you think is going to get the callback? Yeah. So similarly, and I do believe if you haven't grieved from a past relationship, it's not time to go out on dates and have that therapy session with, you know, someone you're on a first date. And even, you know, just kind of like being conscious of how are you, you know, positioning the past? How are you showing up as your best self? How are you? There's a lot of expectations, you know, many singles have about who they should be with. But are you showing up as your best self? Mm-hmm. And how can you be doing your part? Because th- th- you're going to attract like attracts like. Yeah. Also the idea of like, are you really ready? Right. And do you really want this? Because I know our friends and family want to see us happy and they think they are happiest when they see us partnered. So this idea that, you know, people are telling us you should be dating, get out there, go hire a matchmaker, go get on the apps and start swiping when they are doing it because they're being told and not really thinking about whether that's something they truly are wanting for themselves. Yeah. And, and I, I'm a big fan of, I don't think everyone, I I think there's so many options today in terms of lifestyle and how to live and be that there's nothing wrong with being single and and having a grateful life or life, whatever way you want to architect and definitely being with a partner or something that's a really serious, you know, decision. And, and you want to, you know, you want to make sure that's really what you want. So I do think that, that you're right, that some people might be just going through the motions, Frankie. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships take work. And then we grow. I always say as a psychologist, I'm like, we grow in relationship like that. We get challenged most when we're in romantic relationships and that not so much with friendships, right. But in, you know, romantic relationships. So tell it, I mean, I've, Denise, you want to go? I'm, I'm like hogging up all the. Oh, I'm enjoying the conversation. Oh, okay, good, good. I'll jump in when I need to. Okay, no. good. Um, <laughs> what about photos? What's your feeling about that? We do not show photos. I did earlier on, um, and I have reasons that I want to hear if you do and don't. And I know potential clients are curious. I always share photos. I'm curious to hear the the art you you know where you how you landed with not sharing. Um, I do do my best to get recent photos, of course, of my client and you know good quality photos, and also of their potential first date to make sure that there is that you know awareness of what does a person really look like, so they're not surprised on a first date since so much of it can be um, visual and that initial reaction and and such. Uh, I think it would be really dreamy to be in a world where there wasn't any photos and people just met kind of, you know, and got to know someone without any physical aspects. I just have found that um, I can get them there faster with showing photos. And I think also the um, 
clients that I work with, that's most comfortable for me and them. Um, back to that partnership part is that we both have to feel like it's a it's a really good match for them to invest that time. I always say your time is your most precious asset. We can make more money, more things, et cetera. We can't make more time. So I'm really judicious about back to quality dates over quantity. So that's my rationale for that. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, um, I the reason I, I have chosen not to show photos is because even if we try not to, we have preconceived ideas. We look at a one-dimensional image and we make assumptions about what we're seeing and we can project onto that image what it is that, you know, anything. If, if somebody looks like anything, like or resembles somebody from our past that is that has left us with a bad feeling, it just gets projected onto it. Even if they're like, wow, that person sort of reminds me, striking me this way. And they remind me of this individual and they can't help but have feelings related to that. So I just, I decided that like, I, I was not going to deal with that aspect and they're hiring me because I'm the matchmaker. I know what I'm doing. And I listen very clearly to what they're saying that they want. And I also am listening to the fact that like, they have struggled in this process themselves and they're coming to me because they want to have a different outcome. So part of it is like, I'm asking them to trust me and my ability to actually be successful and, and they do, but it, they're uncomfortable. Don't get me wrong. They would, they would love, I think, to see photos. What about their height? Do you get, um, do you share the person's height? Yeah. So I describe what they look like, you know, we'll describe in detail what they look like. I just don't actually show a physical photo and we'll describe in detail all about like their life, for example, what's important to them? What do they do for their career? And what do they do for fun? And like, we paint a whole picture, but I really hold off on that actual physical aspect until they are together in person, real time. So they can feel that person in, in their fullness in their full self. Yeah. There's so much to be said for energy and just connection. And I love the, you know, think back to when you met someone and organically and not on dating apps or, or through a fix up and you, the person, you know, you connected because, you know, you laughed or you found something funny or you just, you enjoyed connecting with them or you felt seen by them. And these are relationships that you might otherwise not consider. And I love to tell the story of years ago, um, I fell for a man who was bald and a little overweight and shorter than me. And now if I see someone that looks remotely like him, I'll do a double take as if it was <clears throat> George Clooney walking by, you know, it's like, it's, it's so funny how you get, you know, kind of these biases and the tall man bias is something that I've been on a mission to start making some noise about because it is something that is going on is that, you know, there is a bias um, by women to date men who are tall, and there's nothing that men can do about their height. I know there are some surgeries that are out there that are pretty scary about increasing someone's height, but um, really, you know, giving people a chance and meeting them where they at. So I love the spirit of where you're going, uh, Frankie, in terms of that. And I think more, you know, more around how do we get out of this demographics or you know product specs of a person. And really just meet a person. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Because how many times has it happened where 
you, somebody tells you about somebody that you're there like, oh, this person, you know, you're listening, you're like, I don't know. I don't, because I a few of my friends have tried to set me up through the years and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And then I meet them. I'm like, oh, well, maybe. <laughs> like, I'll try it out. Like, that's a possibility. You su- you can you can be surprised is basically my point. Yeah, our minds are, are, you know, we keep ourselves sometimes in a little box and we don't know it. Yeah. And just the injection of possibility. That's how I ended up um, meeting my husband is I was working with him in a company and I thought, oh, it's taboo to date someone who's senior to you. And then a friend of mine was like, uh, yeah, you can find another job, Shannon. And then that possibility was like, yeah, I can. And I should, you know, I should probably pursue this. So just possibilities and kind of keeping yourself open and uh, realizing and, and connecting with another human being is just such a such a gift. You can learn something from every every date with the right attitude. I am a big fan of keeping dates um, short, not having multi-hour dinners and such, because sometimes people are so it's so hard to exit those situations. And if there isn't that, um, you know, connection, definitely making sure people use their time wisely at the same time. Any other rules, date rules, first date rules? First date rules. Oh, definitely. Well, it's mentioned, don't, you know, the X, you know, if, if right. you're going to be, if you, knowing you're going to be asked for that, be prepared with a soundbite of how you're going to explain what happened in a way that's uplifting and, and doesn't, and, and, and so funny that, you know, clients will say, well, I've got to tell the truth. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's not that they, it's not that the truth can't be, you know, put in a soundbite is that they truly just want to tell the whole story. So it's really funny. So we'll, we'll talk through that. Um, you know, really being complimentary and, you know, uh, flirtatious. Um, I do work with a, um, a, a dating, a male dating coach expert that helps men and women to also, Help them on mock dates because a mock date is a really great way to, you know, try out your flirting and banter and kind of feel a little uncomfortable with that and do it in a safe space. So I do that via Zoom with clients as well. So that's been really fun. Um, and have fun and and to just, yeah. you know, um, you know, usually my my both sides of the equation are usually pretty appropriate. Um, but how can you kind of like, you know, if you are interested. If I'm, if you're interested in a second date, to express interest in that, that's a really great thing to do. It's a very confident thing to do versus uh, playing cat and mouse, especially even as a woman is like, oh, I'd love to see you again. A guy is going to feel like, you know, you know, ten feet tall when he hears that. So just kind of like, and the the people, the number one quality I hear that men especially cite that looking for is playful. Um, they love to be with someone who you know, is alive, is fun, lighthearted, um, less of that serious energy. And then on the flip side, the number one thing I hear that women are seeking in a guy is a guy who's actually, you know, masculine, chivalrous, you know, takes, makes a plan, you know, takes their arm as they cross the street to be protective. Just little things like that can make such a difference in that dynamic and how you show up. So how do you start to, especially as a lot of women that I work with are, you know, very high achieving, you know, executives and founders and entrepreneurs, how do you shift from that to your more feminine side? 
And so femininity and masculinity is key is how to tap into that and how to make sure that um, if the way that I think about it is that we all have that within us and we have, we all have masculine parts and that feminine parts to us, but how do you tap into that? Think of yourself as that 15 year old, you know, excited about going to the dance or your femininity there or your masculinity as a, as a guy at that age and kind of really tap into that raw feeling that's your own. And that's kind of fun as well as to really um, show up not in your business analytical side, but even as a, as a masculine or feminine being and being uniquely you. Yeah. That's such a good point. Cause it's something you have to be mindful of and be intentional not to do it. Right. Especially for the clientele you're describing, these are high achieving, right. Successful like women who are, have harnessed that masculinity to get to where they are, I think. Right. And then how do you, put that aside and show your more vulnerable, um, gentle side. And for men, the masculinity piece gets scary these days. Men are, right, they're being told not to be too masculine. Don't be too chivalrous. You don't assume that you should pay for the bill. This is a whole other podcast, which maybe we'll have. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is a topic in itself. We could probably have three podcasts talking about episodes, talking about it. Oh, the whole, yeah, bill paying. um, That is like, that is, that is a tricky one. (laughs) Yeah. But I, you don't, you know, they don't, should I open the door? Shouldn't I open the door? Should I, you know, should I walk into the car? Don't I walk into the car? Like. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be a guy today. Like, I just feel like it's scary. In the Bay Area, you're in the Bay. We're both in the Bay. Denise is on the East Coast. So it's just like, there's a little, there's some trepidation about how to do that in the Bay, I think I have found. Um, so I agree with you, though. I Chivalry, who doesn't love that? I mean, you know, open the door for me. Pay for me. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's caring. So like, if you think of chivalry as just like opening the door or going first through the revolving doors, uh, you know, to help the other person that's caring. And women also can show that caring in, in feminine ways and being considerate and thoughtful. So I think of it as being thoughtful and, and it, it just, and it also does show leadership and confidence as well, but in a different realm and in, in a more personal realm, it's like almost thinking like, how do we get out of our professional hats, men and women? Right. And get more for a personal realm and who we are. And the truth is, you know, especially for many high achieving people, we spend so much time in that professional realm. It's also like, whoa, how do we get back in touch with who we are as people and as yeah. humans? Yeah, so true. So true. So, and there are so many, you know, you hear about all of these, everything is like a, a, red flag. This is a red flag. That is a red flag. This is a red flag. Like all of these red flags that aren't really red flags. So can you speak to that? Would you like, you know, what do you really consider a red flag for someone in dating outside of the obvious, like totally rude? That's not your clientele. You know what I mean? But like, what do you consider red flags for two people to go forward? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, like it's, it's really, there's definitely you're right, because it's kind of ruling in, ruling out versus just kind of, first of all, just getting to know the person. But it is a, it's a fear-based, you know, one of the things, of course, you always want to be safe on a date. So, you know, and I'm I'm speaking more for dating apps and such is, is always being prudent and always being cautious with 
and making sure you're meeting in a public place, making sure you're not giving out your phone number to someone you don't know and, 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 you know, personal aspects about you, last name, et cetera. So definitely being safe is real, really important for all, all ages and stages um, for the dating apps. And then of course, if you're meeting through a matchmaker, I, you know, I do keep, um, things on first name basis until the couple wants to reveal who, you know, their full names and such. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the, the, the flags are really more fear-based and, um, you know, things such as, you you know, let's say, I think a, a flag would be, you know, finding out someone's values and finding out how they um, handle things and their approaches to things might not be a red flag, but a yellow flag to, as you get to know someone, money values, um, do they prioritize family? Um, if you're really, if that's really important to you. So kind of knowing yourself and knowing if that's something that's going to, going to work. Um, but once again, we go into our critic mode. So it's almost like, I love the analogy that's used in, you know, a lot of NLP, it's like you're either on the field or you're in the stands critiquing and, you know, cheering on the players or criticizing the players. And how do you just have that experience and just like, if you're going to go on the date, go on the date and give it, give it a chance. And if not, don't go on the date, you know, just kind of like, you know, it's almost like driving the foot with driving your car with the foot on the brake. It's like, you're just not going to go anywhere if you don't. Yeah. Really just embrace and go into it. And that's, you know, it's, it's, and at the same time, I totally understand where there can be dates that are not for you and such, but those end up, you know, could be really fun stories and really help you, you know, also, and think of it as step stones on your journey. And if you can learn from each date and learn a little bit about yourself and what's important to you, great, you know, and just kind of know that that's part of the path is that you will meet hopefully a lot of people. I do have a a concept called the love funnel. And the thinking is um, that the more, you know, a lot of people have a top of funnel problem where they're not meeting any new singles, they're not going on first dates and, you know, they're, you know, kind of stuck. So until you start going out on first dates or, and or meeting people to then result in first dates, whether it's on in person or in apps, that's the way you, you get into a relationship. So I don't love, um, you know, if I was looking for a job, who likes going through interviews, but that's the way you get to- <laughs> Gotta kiss those frogs. That's right. Gotta kiss the frogs. Yeah. And also, I appreciate you saying like reserve judgment and criticism. Stop trying. Like it's very. I think we're right. We're wired for protection and survival. So those yellow fra- flags, orange flags, red flags are going to jump out at us, and they can derail us. They can take us, uh, you know, send us on a path that actually forecloses opportunity. So that's a really yeah. And if, and if I sense that with someone where they're feeling like all this, you know, we have a negativity bias, as we know. To, kind of focus on what's not there versus what is there. And if I sense that in a, you know, potential client thinking about their upcoming date, what I'll also reassure them is that it is just a first date. Do you feel safe? Yes. Do you feel like this is a comfortable place for you to meet? Yes. Do you feel, um, you know, do you, do you have your back and know that you're not going to just, uh, I don't know, drink too much and end up in Vegas getting married to this person? Yes. Okay. So, there's absolutely nothing to lose here, you know, except for that investment of time. And how do you kind of like really have your own back too? Like yeah. part of it is is making sure that we've all made mistakes in 
various realms and how do we kind of also have our own back and say, you know what, I'm not that same person. I'm going to go into this. I'm I'm not going to end up in a relationship or getting married to someone that's not a fit for me. I'm I'm wiser now. And how can I just experience this person and not bring forth my own biases or fears into the equation? It's it's easier said than done, believe me. But with coaching, as we know, coaching is really beneficial for all. Um, you can okay. kind of strive for that. Yeah, love it. That's good. Oh my gosh, you have shared so much good stuff today. I loved every moment. I hope our listeners are going to take away like all these amazing nuggets and apply them to their dating lives and find much more success. So how can folks find you, Shannon? How? What's your website address? What are your, how do they reach you on social media? What's the best way for them to reach you? And is there a free database? Oh yeah, go ahead. Yes. So definitely. So I, um, shannoncircle.com is my website and it's free for everyone to join. I collect and love collecting amazing singles near and far to be part of my complimentary Rolodex database. It's only for my eyes. It's not, um, it's private, uh, but it's completely free. And I joke that, you know, the lot you might, as a function of joining my database, you put your name of the hat for the love lottery. I might call, you know, reach out to you someday and have the person for you to meet that is perfect for you. So that's something that is kind of the no brainer. I recommend doing not just with me, but with other matchmakers, um, joining people's databases, because that's, that's really a great opportunity, especially if investing in matchmaking isn't a fit for you. And for me, I only work with a very small percentage of my, a very uh, small percentage of people at a time. So that's oftentimes how most people end up in my network. Um, also, I'm on social media, um, Instagram at Shannon Circle and Facebook and LinkedIn. So all those places are great. And I do also do events in the Bay Area. I have a couple things coming up. So I do have them on my website as well. Amazing been a pleasure. It's so fun to be here and so fun to chat with you lovely ladies about dating and love. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So I hope folks find you and we'll definitely spread the word. I think you're awesome and so happy to see you again. And um, yeah, thanks for taking time to spend an hour with us today. My pleasure, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share this podcast with anyone you may know who feels misunderstood, confused, or who needs some relationship insights to empower their next move in life. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook using the handle Dr. Frankie Bashan to see some fun behind-the-scenes great appearances and share your thoughts and ideas for future episodes. Until next time, keep embracing your unique story and look out for love, laughs, and lessons.